0: This will probably come as no surprise. I have no grasp on jewelry or its trends. But even with my very limited point of view, I can see a lot of value in buying accessories that look like diamonds and sapphires without the price tag or the guilt. And I have just the person to reinforce that opinion today. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Vicky Lemaire. Vicky has been designing jewelry for Hollywood stars since 1984. Those nearly four decades of experience have taught her a lot about the market trends and tastes of people who purchase jewelry in general. It's also displayed the fine line between jewelry inspired by a design and a knockoff or replica of an exact design. Do you know where that line is? She's also done a host of other jobs, from acting to private investigating, which we'll discuss briefly towards the end. Remember, you can email dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or send a message to any of the social media pages to request future topics or guests. For now, let's spend less and accessorize more. Welcome to the show, Vicki Lemere.
1: Oh, hi, Colton. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, thank you so much for being on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself for the audience?
1: Uh, my name is Vicky Lemere, and I am the author of the new book called "Saving Face," and we'll be talking about that and many other things in my life.
0: <laughs> yes, you do have quite a career history.
1: Yes, I do. I do. I. Um, I came to Hollywood uh, to find fame and fortune (laughs) and I found a little bit, but not enough to sustain me. So I was very fortunate to um, actually get into the costume jewelry business um, in 1984. So that's like 38 years ago, I think almost. And um, I was just um, buying some pins from my uh, girlfriend for my sisters for Christmas she had these big pins that were popular back then. Michael Jackson, I think, was the one that started wearing them and made them so popular. So I bought those for my sisters. And then she said, you know, you could go downtown to my friend and get them wholesale. You don't have to you know, buy them for me. And so I ended up going downtown and went to this little manufacturing place. And I started buying pins from this lady. And She would sell them to me for five dollars and I I would resell them for fifteen dollars. They were gorgeous, you know, and it was like such an easy way to make money. So I set up a little briefcase and I would have the pins, you know, there was sweater pins and regular pins and uh, wherever I would go. I like if I went to have lunch, I would open my case and pretend I was (laughs) straightening. And of course, women, when they see costume jewelry, anything that sparkles, you know, they're Oh, what's that? Where'd you get? Can I buy one of those? I said, sure. You know, so I would end up selling like at the bank, at the grocery store, wherever I would go, I would just accidentally open my briefcase and there, you know, there my sales started. So after a couple of months of buying stuff from her, she said, you know, I have fulfilled my order for the store. She had like a $200,000 order from, I think it was Contempo Casuals. And so she had fulfilled that. And she said, I have all these pieces left and stones. And would you be interested in buying my business? And I said, yeah, you know, what's left of it? So um, we made a really good deal. And I bought all her stones and her parts and everything. And I started on my journey of making jewelry. And I had the most fun, I think. I remember one night I was sitting making stuff. And I looked at the clock. And it was 2 a.m. And I went oh my God, I've been doing this for six hours. So it's just crazy, you know, and I really enjoyed it. So that's how I started.
0: Yeah. And what what separates like your standard jewelry from costume jewelry? Like where's the terminology come in?
1: So costume jewelry is, is made basically from pot metals, brass that is coated with either silver or gold. So costume jewelry also fits in the category. There's some things that are gold filled Well, that would be much better quality. But costume jewelry um, is made with crystals. I particularly love the, the Sharofsky crystals because they have so many facets in them and they look more like diamonds. I mean, people can't tell the difference to the naked eye. And for women, all it has to do is sparkle and they love it, you know? So it doesn't have to be real so costume jewelry is made with um, n- not real uh, gold or silver and not real stones as diamonds emeralds you know it's just a copy of the real thing i would say that's the best way to describe it
0: gotcha it's like a dressed up version of something where you're like yeah if you don't you don't take it to an appraiser you're not looking to to sell it or to make a fortune off of it it's going to look very nice
1: yeah it looks good you know it it makes your outfit the costume jewelry makes your outfit and you know for people that can't afford to be buying diamonds and you know and I think real jewelry is kind of boring compared to costume jewelry
0: sure and it definitely seems like for the price you would pay for you know a ring with a big diamond on it you could buy a whole bunch of costume jewelry
1: yeah I have an interesting story I was uh, working in this boutique up uh, in Holland where all the movie stars live, and um, it was half a lingerie store and half a an alteration store. And the lady wanted me to work. She only needs someone one day a week, which was perfect for me. I said I'll do it if you let me put my costume jewelry in here. You know, so she goes, okay, just not too much. You know, blah blah blah. So one day, uh, in comes Priscilla Presley, and she was so sweet and nice, very shy. And she was getting her alterations and she stopped over at the counter and she was looking at this big cross I had. And it was like it it was a large cross that it was crusted with uh, green like emeralds, red like rubies, clear like diamonds and blue like sapphire stones. And she said, oh, my God, I'm going to buy that and take it to my jeweler and have them make it with real stones. (laughs) And I said, oh, that's a great idea. (laughs) You know, so feel free
0: to buy it as a template.
1: Yeah. I I had many star encounters in my stores. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I would imagine. And like you said, you know, 38 years in Hollywood, especially like 38 years speaks for itself, but 38 years in Hollywood seems like an entirely different world where everything is like moving so fast and changing on a whim.
1: Yeah, I was lucky. Um, The first year I was in business, my fiance said, you know, you should have your own little store uh, on Melrose. Melrose Avenue at that time was a very trendy area with fun restaurants and stuff. So um, we found a little store. It was probably only 300 square feet. It was tiny and long and narrow. And I mirrored both sides to make it look bigger. And um, yeah, that's where I would sit all day and make stuff. And, and I would, you know, have a few customers. I wasn't real busy, but I did have some uh, wonderful star customers come in there. Um, uh, what's her name from Laverne and Shirley? I forget her name. Anyway, and Nicholas Cage and uh, Joyce DeWitt from Three's Company. Of course, those are all old shows. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, just, it was just really, oh, and, and Joni Mitchell that was my favorite customer oh also um uh Natalie Natalie Cole she was just lovely she bought my jewelry at the at the lingerie store so yeah and I used to um sell to all the major department stores I started with um, Nordstrom's uh they bought stuff for their junior department I made these long shoulder duster earrings with fringes and oh the girl just went crazy for them and you know, I didn't know, I mean, I, I made them out of um, the stuff that the mylar that's left after you punch the sequence out. I was bending that into little bows and putting the top. I mean, I just came up with these ideas. It was like, all of a sudden I, I had this artistic ability that I didn't know I had, you know, and I think it came from my, um, my new uh, Buddhist practice that, that allowed me to To tap into this area that I never knew I had, you know, I think there's many forms of being creative and being artistic, but um, this was a total uh, surprise to me when I was growing up my mother always said oh you're not artistic because you can't draw like your sister, and so I always thought, you know, it was like, what a horrible thing to tell a child, (laughs) so it kind of dwarfed me for a while, but then when I started making jewelry, and then I realized, because I was also writing poems, and songs, and stories, and you know, I would write my my stand-up comedy, I did, I've been doing stand-up comedy for over 25 years, and I write all my own material, so there's a creative side in all of us that um is one of the seven basic human needs to be creative. whatever that means to you. it's it's something that's important.
0: It's certainly one of those, especially in you know today, where we have so much more exposure to the world and everything going on out there that like there is a very broad definition to artistic, where it's like, what kind of art? There's five million kinds of them take your pick and try them out
1: exactly
0: exactly yeah like you said in this case it just kind of it took off for you you know you're like oh I guess I'll I'll try making something and oh that worked out well I'll try making this other thing and that's working out even better I don't know I don't know if I'm on to something or if it's just easy for me
1: (laughs) yeah one time I made these earrings I um, I had these uh, big thin hoops and and they were like kind of crooked and I just one day I just took one and I just twisted it up because I was kind of mad that I couldn't use it as a hoop. And I went, that looks like an atom. Oh, I'm going to make these. These are my atom earrings. And they were like these, they looked like the DNA code, you know. I just twist them and I, they sold so like crazy. I mean, it was just like, ah! i was so happy with myself that I come up with this idea on my own. Yeah, and my business, um, you know, so I ended up selling to Nordstrom's, uh, Bullock's. I used to go to Bullock's every weekend and stand on my feet for eight hours selling my jewelry. And uh, they would take 60% and I would get 40, um, which, you know, that was okay. I mean, I think I used to make about 500 a weekend. And then um, they one Christmas, I sold 40,000 in their store and they went bankrupt and they never paid me. And it just about wiped me out because I had put all my energy and my money into that and work in making it, designing it, selling it. It's like I was like a one man band, you know. I had people help me at different times, but they would get glue on the stones so the stones wouldn't be pretty and shiny anymore. So I got I got rid of um, my help. <laughs> it's like no, I'm not going to have people that you know are going to ruin my stuff. So I, I became um, you know I probably didn't grow as as a manufacturer and a designer um, and, and a salesperson because I was so I had to do everything myself. You know that's probably a weakness, but I couldn't delegate because I it, I wanted it perfect. <laughs> yeah, you're
0: like I <laughs> but- will not. I will not sacrifice my quality for the sake of putting out more quantity.
1: Exactly. And uh, so um, I ended up uh, going back when it was Macy's and I started doing the trunk shows in the store again. And then I, I had one time I had seven Saks Fifth Avenue stores carrying my jewelry. That was a coup because, you know, that's like the most prestigious store, you know, wealthiest people and, So um, when I could see my jewelry in Beverly Hills, Saks Fifth Avenue, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) You know, so that was probably the pinnacle. of, But that was on consignment. So they would only pay me when they sold something, you know. So it wasn't that lucrative, really. But I ended up uh, selling to iMagnon, Robinson's May, most of the major department stores. So yeah, it was, it was, you know, it it wasn't like I was doing that well, but it sustained me. I call it my sugar daddy, because it's always paid the rent or the market, you know, it's just something you can sell costume jewelry to women anytime, anywhere, I would drop the business, and I would pick it up again. And it was just something that I could, I could do, you know, um, at will, I, I had a a cart in a mall at one time and then i used to do arts and craft shows and yeah i'm like at christmas time i could easily sell ten thousand dollars which was in one month which was great you know but that's not profit of course you gotta buy the stuff you gotta make you know
0: sure all of your your energy and your time and your resources
1: i was working 14 hours a day because i'd sell in the daytime i'd come home at night i'd be sitting making putting more stuff together. And yeah, I worked, I worked really hard, you know, it wasn't, but, but it was lucrative, you know, when, when, you know, the holiday seasons, gift seasons, I mean, this is my season coming up. So right now I have a, I have a little boutique inside a, um, a beauty salon and that's where I have my stuff set up. But I also go out, you know, I go out and I do retirement homes and, I do. Uh, I have one coming up at a golf club. It's a luncheon, you know, where all these women come. Wherever you have women, you can sell jewelry.
0: Sure. So, I mean, have there been a lot of changes over the, you know, these almost four decades where you've been selling this, or has it maintained like pretty consistently? Where you're like, no, I just find store, sell in store. Like, haven't had to worry too much.
1: You know, it. It's like everything. It it changes over the years as far as like at one point nobody will wear gold everybody's wearing silver 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 and then all of a sudden gold starts to become more popular and it's I noticed it's a 20-year cycle so right now gold is more popular than silver which is you know I'm fortunate I can wear both but some people are very like oh no I only wear gold oh I only wear silver that's fine and you know um so I carry both in my line I have you know, a little bit of everything. I have simple things, little, nice little earrings. But I have big stuff for the women that want the gaudy look. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it it changes. Like, I, I've seen um, hoops come and go at least 10 times over my career. Because <laughs> you think, oh, they're out. You know, oh, they're back in. Oh, okay. So, you know, that that's just, I think, I think it's a staple that that is hoops. I mean, I I sell a ton of hoops, all different sizes, and I've gotten it down to, I know exactly what women like. They like lightweight and they like a little uh, one that flips up in the back so that they don't lose it, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it it makes me think of like how often clothing style changes, which is really fast and pretty frequent. And I'm like, does it do the same thing in jewelry? Does it have that same kind of like volatility? And then I would think, like, well, there's got to be a little more stability in it than that,
1: right? Well, it's funny because right now the popular thing is these paper clip ear uh, necklaces. And they look exactly like paper clips if they were joined together. That's the shape of them. But you'll see, see Billy Eilish wearing it and any of the newscasters that all have these special. Um, the woman, uh, Leslie Stahl, on 60 Minutes every week, she's got her paperclip necklace. And, um, you know, and of course, they're wearing them in real gold and real silver. So I have the uh, knockoffs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so we um, that's a very popular item right now. And, and that's trendy. I mean, obviously, you know, that'll come and go. And I can't tell you what the last trend was, but I'm probably stuck with a few of them. <laughs> Because women get really uh, fickle about, you know, what's in and what's not in.
0: Sure. Is there anything that's, like, just stayed extremely consistent over the last, you know, 38 years?
1: Well, I think um, a pretty stud earring is is pretty consistent, you know, uh, with nice crystal. And then, of course, like I said, the hoops. And women, you know, we used to wear a lot of these uh, stretchy bracelets with the stones on them. That's kind of gone out of style, um, although it was, it was around for a long time. Uh, people now are looking for copies of designer stuff. But what's been happening is, like, I used to carry um, some, I have to word this correctly, inspired by Cartier uh, bracelets. <laughs> And um, the people that I was getting them from got busted. They were selling them online, and it, w- it was an exact copy, only not in gold or silver. You know, with with the the, the little nail mark w- where they had stones. Some had the nail mark. Some had just the stones. So they got busted on. It and I said, I you know, I have a customer that wants three of them. They said, No, we can't do it anymore. We're, we got rid of it all because we got in trouble <laughs> yeah,
0: so, too close to the original
1: yeah so I do I do carry some um, uh, things that are inspired by designers and um, you know uh, people recognize that and it's it's a very popular thing right now
0: yeah and has this the the audience so to speak that Purchases this kind of jewelry has it grown over the years as it started to become more socially acceptable for other people to start wearing it, like other, you know, men in some of the alternative communities, like start to wear a lot more jewelry. Have you seen a lot of uptick or a lot of change in the styles that people like?
1: You know, I just think it's so general. It it really, to me, because I've seen it all. I've seen it all. It's come back. And people, you know, younger people will think it's new, but it's been around. And I have, I, I at one time made leather necklaces for, who was it? Was it Nordstrom's or Macy's, their men's department at Christmas? And, you know, I just put beads on it. And and I've also had leather bracelets that, that men wear, you know, even though they might be for women. If they have a small enough wrist, um, they could fit certain bracelets so I, I do sell to men as well um, and men do like jewelry and I'm, I'm happy to make stuff for them because I you know I have the leather and I have the, the, the turquoise beads and you know different colors I can do so yeah I mean I think it's it, it's become more readily acceptable that men wear bracelets too and of course you've seen the basketball stars when they're on the bench and in they're injured Wearing their big diamond necklaces, I was mean, like, "I'm so surprised! Like, why would they want to wear a, a diamond necklace like a woman?" But I guess if they can afford it, you know, why not? Like I see LeBron and Anthony Davis, you know, when they're when they're on the bench and they're injured and they're in their street clothes, they always have their diamonds and their. I even saw LeBron had a bunch of the designer bracelets, you know, the women's ones. And I'm thinking well he had to have those made for him because I don't think they would have come in his size you know.
0: Yeah, he's quite a large individual compared to I think the yeah. average female.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he probably had them specially um made up for him. But it you know, they're certainly not um you know, if if they can do it anybody can do it, you know. Yeah. And I've seen um like even on the voice uh there's a guy that wears these pearl necklaces and I'm thinking that's really interesting. You know, he, he's got a family and, but that's his style. He likes it. And why not? Men should be able to, to wear nice jewelry too. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Start wearing earrings too big, but (laughs) little ones look good. Diamonds look great.
0: Yeah. It's just an accessorizing.
1: Yeah. I, I sell studs to guys all the time. Um, cubic zirconians you know because they look just like diamonds nobody could tell the difference
0: yeah are there a lot of like misconceptions when people come to you and they're like oh in costume jewelry there must be x y and z things and you're like no i don't i don't have any of those problems or i don't have to work with any of that there are a lot of misconceptions
1: what i do is women are concerned about um the posts and what they put in their ears so, um, you know, there, there, there was a problem at one time with nickel and alloys. So now most, most of the stuff that I purchase and that I make things with is all hyperallergenic surgical steel. That's the only thing I use. And I will only buy earrings that say lead compliant, no nickel, no lead. So, so that the women can be comfortable because some people are allergic to pot metals, you know, the, 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 um, the fake uh, silver and gold and, and um, they can only wear real, real stuff. Well, that's okay too. You know? But I, I haven't found women that really ever can't wear my stuff. I put out a guarantee when I sell stuff, if it breaks, or something happens, I replace it or fix it free of charge. That's my deal. And and I guarantee it for life. And they go, one woman said to me, life. Well, whose life? Your life, my life, or the jewelry's life? I said, well, whichever comes first. You know? yeah. So I, I do guarantee. You. Yeah, I mean, women love stuff that looks real, but they don't have to pay for it. And especially lately with all the snatching grabs, uh, thefts that are going on you know women are not wearing their real jewelry anymore so I'm it's really great for me because I can sell them stuff that looks real and if somebody tries to wants it they can go here take it you
0: know, yeah 40, all right fine
1: $40 ring it's like it looks like you know half a million sure <laughs> I wore I wore one of my big big diamond looking rings into the bank one day and it's a 6 carat cubic zirconia but it looks so good. I mean it's a big uh princess cut uh diamond look. And um all of a sudden they looked at my ring and oh Miss Lemaire, oh what, can we can we help you? Is there anything we can do? Like they they treated me totally differently cuz they thought I had this like million dollar ring, you know. Yeah. Like, I can't believe people are so superficial. <laughs> you know?
0: Going back a little when you're talking about like, oh, these, you know, alloys and things people couldn't wear and why we switched over to like surgical steel or things like that. Is that the, I'm only vaguely familiar with it where people were saying like, oh, I can't wear that. It'll turn my skin green.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People were concerned. I mean, everybody's um, chemistry is different. So certain women can't wear they turn everything black even silver turns black on their fingers you know so it depends on how much um what what's your composition is you know so it's there's no guarantees for anyone but you know some people have more acid in their skin than others and so that that turns things dark you know
0: yeah that's interesting i didn't i wasn't aware of that but it's it also is like another good reason to kind of you know, use this, like, looks genuine jewelry, right? Where you're like, I'm not going to pay thousands of dollars for it just for it to, like, change color on me.
1: Exactly. Well, that's why, you know, I mean, if they spend 20 bucks and they get to wear it for a year, you know, I think that's great. I mean, can they ask for more than that? Uh, I I mean, I have stuff I've had for a long time, and, you know, it definitely... um, after years and years of wear it may change some stuff doesn't it depends on the quality stainless steel is they're doing a lot of stuff with stainless steel today and stainless steel doesn't change colors so it's really good
0: so how did you kind of yeah we talked about like you have all these years in stand-up and you did some acting and stuff along the way how did you manage to like keep up with all of these things at the same time it seems like a lot to juggle
1: well, you know, um, when I came to Hollywood, I, I was coming to, to become an actress and I was fortunate enough um, in the first two years, um, I got a movie and I got my SAG card and then I got a TV series and I got my After card. So SAG is for film and commercials and After is um, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. So that's more for, for um TV, that you know, TV and um, and radio and things like that. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to be a big star. I'm on my way, you know. And then, of course, I got one job a month or, you know, this and that. And it's like, I can't make a living on this. I have to do something else, you know. And that's when I started my jewelry business, which was so nice because I could drop it or pick it up at any time and I if I had an acting job put a sign on the window I'll be back in two hours you know it was great and then also that's not the only job I had though when I first moved here um, I was selling eyeglass frames you know out of a but I was here uh, I came uh, across the border with three kids a cat and a dog in a camper and um, I was here uh, illegally for a a a while till I got my green card um and so I was kind of working under the table with the eyeglass frames I think I I only got a hundred dollars a week so it wasn't very much but I had a case and I'd go around see optometrists then my friend told me about she's my sister's doing this job she's works as a private investigator and she does um you know she goes out and eats and then she writes reports on the restaurants and she drinks, you know, that you have to drink and you have to eat because you have to watch the bartenders. So I said, that sounds like a great job. I'd love to do that. So I went over and I met with the owner and he hired me and I started doing this private investigating work. Um, and, you know, we'd go out and eat and write reports. And I, I got we had five Mexican uh, restaurant chains. I think we had Red Onion, Maria's, Casa, Casa Maria's and uh, Acapulco. But I got so tired of Mexican food. <laughs> I didn't even want to eat it anymore. Um, and, and it was very negative work because you were looking for people to mess up, to make a mistake, and I just found it so negative. And then my boss taught me how to do background um, research where I would do a background study on maybe somebody's going through a divorce and they're trying to find the money and you know, where, did, where did they hide it and blah, blah, blah. So i go through all the records, i go downtown and, pull the records, go to the federal building, go to the civil courts. In those days, we had to look up the microfiche, put the person's name in. Now everything's on the computer. It's so much easier. Um, but then we also did surveillance, and we had some very interesting people that we surveilled, um, one of them being Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. And that was quite an interesting job because we sat all day just outside his house watching his activities. And uh, we were working for the doctor that supposedly took care of him. And he was trying to find uh, dirt on the caregiver so that he could fire her or take money away. It was just, it was just like, and, and you know, the poor guy, he was out of it. He would just be walking in the street going, tree. And then we would hear him practicing or or trying to play the piano. And he would start singing. And then he, East Coast girls are hip. -eh -eh, And East Coast girls are hip. -eh -eh." And he couldn't remember the sentences. It was so sad, you know? I think that was probably at his lowest point. So this woman was not taking care of him. You know, she she basically um, there's one story I can't even tell you because it's just too awful. But anyway, um, that was one of the things we did is and we followed people around and put devices on their car and it was scary. Some of it was kind of scary work, but um, I did that for seven years and then I gave it up. And that's when I started my jewelry business. And, you know, so I've done little acting and uh, I've been in movies and television and I've been on stage. And like I said, I've done stand up comedy for over 25 years and I've performed at the comedy store on Sunset Boulevard and various other venues. And um, I love doing stand up comedy because I love making people laugh. It's just a great pleasure. And
0: um, yeah, lots of irons in the fire over time
1: yes yes yeah but I you mean, know you do it, you do what you can to get by
0: of course course. any like really hard-earned lessons along the way that you try and share with people when you run into people trying to follow the same paths now
1: i just feel like every hardship is a lesson learned and you know you have to be resilient in life so it doesn't matter what knocks you down it's it's not how hard you fall it's how high you bounce back that matters and I think you have to be able to be resilient and keep keep a sense of humor about things be happy smile it's it's good exercise for your face it takes 47 muscles to smile and only seven to frown and it smiling is a great facial exercise so You know, I recommend that in my book um, and also facial exercises, but a lot of my beauty tips are spiritual ones because um, what I've learned that I can pass on is that when you blame other people for whatever's happened to you, nothing will change in your life. You'll just keep recycling that karma, shall we say. But when you take responsibility, this is my life. I attracted this and I can change it. Um, that's when my life changed. Um, I was in, uh, brought up in an abusive home, and then I had two abusive marriages, and I was miserable. Really, you know, I was like, just I was was not a happy person. Even though I was nice looking, and I could work as an actress and I could perform, there was something missing inside of me, you know, because I had this resentment. For what my mother did to me, what my father did to me, what my husband did to me. And when I started to practice Buddhism, I was pointing my finger at everybody, you know, and my uh, Buddhist leaders took my finger and turned it around to me. They said, It's you. I said, It's me. I didn't. It's you. You have to take responsibility for your life. It, it came into your life, so it's yours. And the the moment that that I could get that concept of taking responsibility for what has happened to me, my life changed. I was in the driver's seat for the first time. I was controlling what happened in my life. Instead, before that, the universe was slapping me around like a rag doll. You know, I go here, bam, here, bam, you know, it's like, okay, well, it just kept repeating itself. So I never thought it would change, but the change was the change in me. So the the reflection I saw in the universe was, was different. And I started changing from the inside out and growing this diamond, like life condition that we all possess that was really lying dormant, you know, and I had to grow it. So one of my beauty tips and secrets is, to To exercise not only your body and your mind every day, but to exercise your spirit. You know, pray. I don't care whether you're Christian or Jewish or Buddhist. Just pray every day to raise your life condition, so that you look at your problems like I was looking at my problems from the basement, looking up, and they were overwhelming. But when I started to chant and raise my life condition I was looking at my problems from the penthouse so instead of like falling into a pit when something happened I was now like a bump in the road but um but um and I could go on to you know I could go on because I had the strength of character and I'm not going to pretend that you know we call them the devils uh the devilish function there are all this negative stuff that plays in your head you know you're not this you're not that you're not too old you're too fat you're too skinny you're too poor you're you know you can shut those voices up when you develop your spirit you you can recognize them for what they are and then it's just like throwing water on a witch they just they shrivel up and go away so yeah I mean that's the biggest lesson I've learned through the years in my life is to take responsibility for whatever's happening to you don't blame the other person exercise your body your mind and your spirit every day and then you'll be happy and when you're happy you draw happiness to you so cause and effect
0: (laughs) yeah i think that's a great life lesson to kind of leave people with i wanted to give you some time to you know plug your book as we've talked about it and where people can find you if they're looking for you
1: great well thank you for that, Colton. Um, so my book is called Saving Face, and it's available on Amazon. And it, it's just saving face has a double meaning. So it means not only to, to look good when you get older, which was one of my intentions, but also to feel happy on the inside, because one without the other is, is not good. When, you, when you're miserable, it shows on your face. When you're happy, it shows. on your face. So we all want to be happy. So, Saving Face by Vicki Lemaire, V-I-C-K-I. And then my last name is two words, L-E space capital M-E-R-E. Or you can go to my website for the book, VickiLemaire.com. And I so appreciate your support and help me get this message out so that everybody can be happy and look great.
0: Yes, of course. And if people go on there and they appreciate the book, remember to leave a good review because it helps your authors.
1: Yes, it does. Thank you so much. I've gotten eight reviews and seven five stars so, so awesome. far.
0: Well, yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. I have appreciated it.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure.
0: Do you feel more informed having listened to this episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast? If so, please take a brief moment to rate the show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, or Audible. If you really liked it, remember to subscribe for more episodes every week and check out the nearly 100-episode backlog I've built up. Let me know what you'd like to hear by reaching out to me and emailing dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or by sending a message to any of the show pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else you find me. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. That's all for this week. Have a great weekend, and I will see you Monday the 12th to hear about how you might rescue the addict in your life. Buh-bye!